Good evening, this is Mary Bellings with KSOM and KS95 News. A Carroll man died following a two-vehicle accident in Crawford County Monday afternoon. The Iowa State Patrol's 65-year-old Douglas Hook was transported by Manila Ambulance to the Crawford County Memorial Hospital where he died from his injuries. According to the report, Hook was driving a 2018 Peterbilt Semi west on Highway 141, crossing the intersection with Highway 59. 23-year-old Hayden Leonard of Millville, Minnesota, was driving a 2015 Freightliner northbound on Highway 59 and struck the Peterbilt Semi. The Peterbilt came to rest in the northwest ditch. The Freightliner came to rest west of the intersection on V Avenue. Cumberland Mayor Virginia Coughlin says a boil order for the city of Cumberland is in effect immediately due to a valve replacement project. The mayor did not give a timeline for completing the project. On Monday, the City of Atlantic Board of Adjustment turned down a conditional use permit request from the Cass County Animal Clinic to build a vet clinic at 2309 Whitney Street. The proposed project would have been in a low-density, single-family residential district, which was an issue with the current homeowners. Tom Robinson has more on this. The Cass County Animal Clinic is owned by Aaron Conrad Schwarty, a doctor of veterinary medicine who provides services for dogs, cats, cattle, sheep, goats, and pigs. She purchased the clinic from Dr. Larry Victoria in May of 2020. That is a leased facility, and it is just kind of, um, we're outgrowing that building, um, kind of, you know, out-of-date building which led us to our search for land. And if you are familiar with the zoning in Atlantic, you know, finding a commercial space is kind of difficult. So that led us to take a chance on this property um, to go after a conditional use permit. Um, Intention was not to cause a ruckus. (laughs) Um, Just looking to have an opportunity to expand our business and you know continue to contribute to the community we certainly don't want to do that if it's going to be detrimental to the community we just want an opportunity to expand like any other business could and should now the neighboring residents fill the city council chambers voicing their opposition to the facility sean maka who would have lived adjacent to it stated he purchased a home in the neighborhood that was zoned residential under the impression that he and his family would be protected under the residential zoning laws of the city of Atlantic. He stated he is pro-agriculture and not against the project being built just somewhere else in the area. His issue was safety and comfort. Because at the end of the day, it's very specific. You know, no conditional use can be granted by the board uh, if they find any of these things possible. The establishment, uh, will not be detrimental and dangerous to public health, safety, morals, comfort. I can tell you it will bother the comfort of my wife uh, or general welfare. You know, will this be indigenous to the use and enjoyment of another person's property? Well, if my wife doesn't enjoy going out in her yard anymore because it smells, she's lost that. Bob Harris spoke in support of the clinic. Harris called the project a destination business. He pointed out that 59% of the residents of Atlantic own pets. They annually spend $366 in uh, uh, veterinary clinic care, so that's $1.4 million. And an average uh, vet clinic runs around $500,000. So if you calculate that out, Atlantic needs 2.9 vet clinics to service the pets that are here currently in Atlantic. If you jump that up to Cass County, 
Um, that is $2.8 million worth of revenue for Cass County, which equates to 5.6 vet clinics, and we only have four. So one would argue that we are going to bring more income, more people into Atlantic by creating a much larger facility. And the question of not my backyard syndrome, well, what about the people that live behind her right now? Or live at the other next to the other? They're dealing with small pets. And granted, that's not the large pet side of it, but they're currently already involved in a vet clinic area. So is their property value going down? I don't think so. And Josh Dvorak lives near the proposed site and voiced his concern over the safety issue. You know, and if she says that on average we have one dog per day, one and a half. It's over 400 dogs a year. That's a lot of dogs next door to my house. And I, I respect the fact that she says there's not going to be an accident. We're going to do everything to, can't, to not have those accidents. Nobody's perfect. We don't live in an ideal world. You know, my kid's out playing in the yard. Sean's kid's out playing in his yard. Brad, the calf gets loose. She said it's un they're uncomfortable. They're nervous. You're right, they're going to try to run. But how do I know they're not going to run towards my child? You know, yes, she has things in place. Things happen. Now, the concern for safety and comfort from the neighbors is where the Board of Adjustment hit a stumbling block. Dr. Conrad Schwartz stated at the end of the meeting that she did not want to build a place where the neighbors were uncomfortable. Josh Dvorak and Sean Maka said their opposition was certainly not personal. It's not personal again. I mean, I, I want you to be successful. If, if I could get the city of Atlantic on board to build a business district, yeah. I would build right next door to you. Okay. I mean, I mean, that's, I mean, and that's what me and John have talked about, and I think multiple city council members we've discussed. A business district. Anybody in this room doesn't feel that way. Right. I mean, I, they, I don't want you to feel like we're against you. We're all agricultural people here. Yeah. You yeah. Know, yeah. They, we're passionate about that and their community. And I just, I can't, like you have said, I cannot guarantee that a mad cow is going to get out and, you know, wreak havoc on the neighborhood. I can't guarantee we're not going to have a loose dog. I cannot guarantee oh, those things. I cannot guarantee no. there's not going to be barking. I just can't. No. No. Board of Adjustment member Sean Chow stated that he could not approve the conditional use permit due to the previous discussion. Much as I would like to see it move forward, uh, I, I think that we can't find that there would not be any detriment to safety, comfort, and enjoyment of the surrounding neighborhood. Um, just we can't I can't in good faith say I, I am confident that that's not going to be an issue and the board turned down the request and Board of Adjustment Chairperson Melissa Enan told Dr. Conrad Schwarty she would find her place to build. I'm Tom Robinson reporting. The Montgomery County Board of Supervisors this morning voted four to one to receive the salary recommendations from the Compensation Board for the fiscal year 24-25 with possible modifications. Supervisor Donna Robinson attending the Compensation Board meeting says two motions were on the table. The first motion was for a 15% raise for the sheriff and a 12% increase for all others that died for a lack of a second. The second motion was to go with dollars instead of percentages. This recommendation was to raise the sheriff's salary by $30,000, the county attorney by $25,000, the auditor by $12,000, the recorder and treasurer by $7,000, a $4,000 increase for each supervisor, and a $1,000 increase by the supervisor's chairman for a total across-the-board increase of $100,000. This is the recommendation the Compensation Board approved and presented to the Board of Supervisors. Robinson stated,
stated, the increase is in the budget, albeit it may come down to reducing a piece of equipment or rotation of equipment in one form or another. But I think it comes down to the fact that we really do have good people in office in, in our in our courthouse and in the sheriff's department and the county attorney. We need to compensate them and, and we need to make it a priority to let people know that people are our priority, not necessarily things. Robinson pointed out that Montgomery County is ranked 96th lowest paid out of the 99 counties in the state. The county attorney, 94th, auditor, recorder, and sheriff, 82nd, and treasurer, 83rd. Supervisor Randy Cooper was not in favor of accepting the recommendation. He says every employee is going to want a substantial raise. Whether it's your employee or your employee or the sheriff's employee, and it's kind of what we've seen at a glance, is what the union was proposing already. They want huge raises. Cooper believes the supervisors will create a monster if they accept this recommendation and give them a percentage of a raise. So why, why, tell me tell me your reasoning behind that. I want to know that. Because I want to know your reasoning, and then what would you suggest? Well, I would say well, the elected officials, I think, should stay the same as far as... No raise? No, I think we, oh, we okay. can raise or, or percentage raise. But when you start giving one elected official more money than the other... That's going to create. The supervisors voted four to one to receive the recommendation with modifications. Cooper cast the no vote. The Cass County Board of Supervisors this morning approved the collective bargaining agreement between the Cass County Sheriff's Office and local 1414 American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees Union. Supervisor Steve Green explains. Basic changes were just a little difference in like watch reimbursement, things of that nature, and uh, the deputies were placed on a percentage of the sheriff at their current percentage. Over the course of five years, there's a 2% increase on their percentage of the sheriff. Anything else, Mark, that you think's pertinent? Every other year. Right. It's every other year over five years, so none this coming year, 1% the following year, none the following year. I think it's the second and fourth year have a 1% uh, accelerator in them. Another action, the supervisors approved removing Ronnie Ross as medical examiner investigator effective December 6th, and they approved continuing the county wellness plan from January 1st to June 30th. The board also approved a resolution setting posted weight limits on bridges. Cass County engineer Trent Wolken said this is the result of the bridge inspections, and the resolution is passed annually to enforce the weight limit signs. Wilkins said there are six bridges that have a lesser rating. But the net was we have seven that either increased or came off. So the net is we have one less bridge with a posting on it than we did. There are 54 bridges out of 250 bridges in Cass County on the list. A list of the bridges with the posted weight limits can be found on this story on our website at westerniowatoday.com. Wilkin also noted that they were able to get bridge number 319 on G30 west of Atlantic poured last week, and they hope to get at least half of the rail poured this week. The Pottawatomie County Board of Supervisors approved a letter of intent of $125,000 to support the Pottawatomie County Fair. Adam Stamp, Dan Hansen, and Steve Meek with the Pottawatomie County Fair Board gave a presentation this morning on the improvements they have made and improvements that are still needed at the fairgrounds in Avoca. Dan Hansen, head of fundraising for the fair, said this past year they raised $75,000 from individuals, families, and corporate sponsors, and that money went almost exclusively back into large capital improvements. 
If you're familiar with our fairgrounds right along Highway 59, the cornerstone of our, visually for certain, the cornerstone of our fairgrounds would be this old sale barn, uh, over 100 years old. And we haven't had our premium auction where the kids sell that, that animal at the end of the fair season in this barn in nearly 25 years. And so we were able to get, as you can see, a couple working pictures, refurbished that, uh, cleared out the, the old ceiling that you can see in that top right, uh, open that up so you can see all the way up to the pavilion. Fresh coat of paint, a lot of cleaning and elbow grease, but got that, that and had tremendous comments and, and really uh, got a lot of people excited to be back in that facility. Their other big project was renovating an old maintenance shed that hadn't been used in many years. We not only poured concrete throughout the entire facility and reinforced that entire foundation for the next 150 years, but also put in uh, new pins that allow access for our students of all abilities to independently feed and care for their animals during the fair. Other projects they were able to accomplish this year included putting in a new stage, a brand new ADA compliant deck that allows access to the 4-H food stand, and they purchased the first module of a better speaker system for the grandstands. Fair board members noted that their numbers continue to increase at the fair, and they are excited about the momentum moving forward. Adam Stamp is the fair board president. When I was a considerably younger man and had a lot less gray hair, um, I showed it to fair as a kid, and um, you know, even back then, if you listen to enough people, you would, they would tell you that we were on our deathbed back then. But I would promise you that the, the rumors of our death have been greatly exaggerated, and we feel like we're moving in the right direction here. Um, you know, I certainly feel like the community feels that way as well. Stamp spoke about their wish list of items that need done at the fairgrounds, including plumbing and electrical repairs, renovations of the historic hog barn and sale barn, revitalizing the Akova Dance Hall, new cattle barn and show arena attachment, and grandstand seating. Out of those items, Stamp said the plumbing and electrical repairs are vitally important to keep the fair going next year. It was noted that at this year's fair, they had over 240 exhibitors, eight queen candidates, 1,500 concert goers, 395 open class entries, an estimated 7,500 plus attendees, $30,000 was donated back to the kids from the community at the premium auction, and they hosted five food truck nights for the community. The fair board will continue their fundraising efforts as well as look into grant opportunities to continue to make improvements to the fairgrounds. More news online at westerniowatoday.com. I'm Andy Bellings with KSOM and KS95 News.